Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, a stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. So this is Style Stories, a collection of conversations with creative people who have a strong sense of style. I sit on my couch with old and new peers and discover how their fashion choices have shaped and been shaped by their family, friends and careers. Together, we tell their style story. Today I'm chatting to Rachel Brand, Head of Brand Entertainment Production at Network 10 Australia. Rachel's job requires a tenacious attitude that can dream up big ideas and bring them to life. This idea of dreaming big comes out in all forms of Rachel's self-expression, including her fashion choices. Whether it be her platinum blonde quiff, a penchant for an oversized bow or a strong shoulder, Rachel makes an immediate impression in the nicest, kindest, sunniest possible way. I've styled Rachel in Levi 501s, Marc Jacobs pumps, Baz blazer and a vintage shirt from a curated collection available at madelinepark.co. I hope you can sit back and enjoy hearing Rachel's story. anyone's executive producer but I was working on a breakfast show and no I meant your executive producing oh, your the podcast. podcast oh yes. sorry yes yes, yes. Okay, I think we on. need to add this story yeah yeah um <laughs> so uh I was working on a breakfast show and we had a fashion segment I was like oh, I know a stylist and we mm. must have known each other a few years by that stage but only, we'd only done play dates we didn't know each other professionally a year and a half a year and so a half so we kind of you'd you'd probably been working again for about six months yeah. and I was doing bits and pieces like you know I'd, yeah. yeah yeah and I said I know a stylist and I called you and I said hey do you want to go on the tv show and you're like <laughs> oh TV. yeah so what's the what's the segment and when will it be and, and I was like well it's tomorrow yeah and go 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 <laughs> <laughs> but to your credit you just swallowed all the fear and you said sure yeah and you put a segment together and you're on live tv I, the I, next day I barely put a segment together I went and and got some very uh, the segment was about different like, sizes different sizes how different, um, how different brands yeah. can be the same size but yes yeah. And you're amazing. Um, oh, it was lots of fun. But then I was like, I remember distinctly being on a, an incredible adrenaline rush after being on live TV. I'm like, I want to do that again. <laughs> so then I forced you to, to, oh, to produce no further segments. Um, but I did yeah. remember that thing of going, this is a really big ask to ask someone to go on live TV the next day, someone who's never been on live but TV. But I, I knew for you also at the time that it was like completely natural, like you could <laughs> Because you would just do that. Like, there would just be, like, no thought in your mind. And I remember being, like, I was scared, but I also, you know, I don't I don't mind a chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was, like, no, no, this is this is going to be good. Just just, just push just it away. It. You can just do this. You got this. Put that anxiety down and get out there. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. But it was fun. It's just a shame the show got cancelled. Oh, don't say that on the podcast. Oh, jeez. You can edit it out. That. Edit um, that out. All right. Hi, Rach. Hello, Mads. <laughs> How are you going? Good. I love being here with you. I love being with you always. <laughs> um, thanks for coming and talking about your style. I know it's something that you feel really comfortable about. Mm-hmm. I'm in my element. <laughs> um, I guess it, your style is quite flamboyant. 
How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely one of the first things I noticed about you. So just to give the listeners um, a little precursor, you and I met at Mother's Group. Um, I do have a tendency to remember the thing that someone's wearing the first time I've met them. I can't say that I do remember what you were wearing. However, I will let baby brain be blamed for that. (laughs) I do remember your quiff that stood out to me in a group of what, like there was what, 30, 40? So many (laughs) post-baby women. (laughs) And um, yeah, your hairdo, but really the thing that we bonded over was the stroller. My amazing lime pram. Yeah, yeah. Like (laughs) I had the nice classic navy mountain buggy and Rach had the chartreuse (laughs) version. And um, yes, we we bonded because neither of us really knew how to actually get I, I, I think I was moving the pram while it was on lo- while it was it locked. It was locked, yeah. And yeah. you saw that we had the same pram and despite not liking the colour of my pram, you were still nice <laughs> enough to speak with me <laughs> and ask me how to unlock it. And I probably was a bit judgy of your style at the time. <laughs> but I, I at least appreciated that you were making an effort. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> so I guess um, getting into it, one of the because you do tend to like um, bright colours yeah. and uh, oversized bows, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> polka dots. Love a bow, love polka dots. Sometimes I feel like I've needed to kind of manoeuvre you in a different direction, but um, I want to know where that's come from, like that uh, desire for something that's kind of extra or flamboyant. Where, where do you think that that's come from? Um, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, why I add a bit of, as you say, extra to some of my outfits, (laughs) but I think one of my earliest memories was, um, I'm one of four and grew up in North Queensland Mm. and, um, being in a busy household, um, we always were just given whatever, you know, mum went to Target and did a big order of, you know, the cheapest clothes or whatever was on sale. And then we just got given our size to wear And I remember all my siblings would just put it on, but I just wouldn't have a bar of it. I'd always have to style it in a certain way. I obviously didn't know what that meant then. But um, I remember in particular when I was quite young, I must have been about five or six, I refused to wear any of the clothes that I was given. And the only thing that I would wear were my swimmers with jeans on top because my swimmers were a bit fancy. They had like a little frill on them. Like a kendone print because I feel like that's that's (laughs) only that that would have been all my dreams come true. (laughs) Something like that. But the jeans were like a stonewash, high-waisted elastic (laughs) band, as you can imagine. And they came in at the ankle. And and like just to clarify, this was the 80s, right? It was the 80s. It was the 80s. And so, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember that, that idea of always like trying to make my outfits look a little bit different to my siblings. I'm a twin too. So maybe that comes into it, even though um, my twin is a male, um, maybe trying to stand out or something in a, in a big household, busy household. And what about your mum's style? Like, was she, how would you describe what she wore or? Um, I don't recall too much about what mum wore except for on special occasions and I remember knowing it was a special occasion because mum would bring out one of 
two fancy dresses that she had. Yeah. And I remember one had both shoulder pads, but one was like a peachy kind of a colour, um, buttons all the way down the front, and it had peaches on it. Oh. Loved it. <laughs> and the other was a, a whimsical friend. <laughs> yes. The other was a dress that she would wear to all the weddings that she'd go to, and it was maroon. And yeah. and I'd say it was probably some kind of designer label that she'd got on a trip to Brisbane, the Big Smoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she would wear that to you know every wedding or christening or um, the fancier occasions. Yeah. But I remember how excited I would get if she put one of her fancy dresses on. Yeah. And I was devastated when I got to the age, you know, late teens. Yeah. When I started thinking about um, my style or a bit of vintage when I started bringing that in and I was devastated that mum wasn't a hoarder and she'd just thrown everything out. I know. My mum had, <sighs> like, my mum's clothes were amazing, like, especially yeah. things from the 60s and oh, 70s. Incredible. And I remember there was a point in my early teenage years where she actually had said to me, do, do you want me to keep them? Mm. But at that stage, you know, you're 13 you and know. I was like... That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Please throw it out. And then in my late, like when you turn 18, 19 and you are kind of really starting to hone in into your own sense of style, yeah. I remember just being so regretful that oh. um, that not only that she'd thrown them out but that I'd allowed that to happen. Yeah. And the one thing that I, like she had these amazing jackets that she mm. hadn't thrown out so one was green suede and another was a brown leather trench and they'd Amazing. all been made to measure so like the cuffs fit me oh. and the lengths fit me and um I was yeah so thrilled to kind of hold on to those pieces so good but uh yeah it's I, used to, I went through the stage of finding old photos of mum in photo albums yeah. and then getting really angry at her for throwing out like her amazing yeah. like denim collots, high-waisted denim collots. going, where are these? Surely you've kept these. Yeah. Where are these shoes? She's like, I just got rid of them. I'm not the kind of person. So now... Your mum was very practical, was she? Yeah, she was pretty practical. Yeah. And um, do you feel that you're practical in your wardrobe so practical. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say practical. Um, you know, my friends at times have joked like, oh, is that one just to wear around the house? Because I went through this phase of like op shopping, you know, pre-kids. I yeah. would spend a lot of my time um, trawling op shops. And um, I think before everyone knew that... Um, you know, op shops had a lot of vintage gold. Mm. In Brisbane, there used to be these things when I went through uni where they'd have fill a bag for $5. All right. And yeah. you would turn up to like Salvos and they would bring out crates and crates of clothing. Yeah. And I would just be sitting there like a pig in mud just going, no one understands how cool this stuff is. Yeah. Because people were looking for like practical clothing or they had a ski trip so they're looking for like ski gear. Whereas I was just going through these crates just finding the most amazing dresses that I still wear now and big belts that I, I wear now. And You've just got going, a floral off the shoulder like very 80s very number. 80s that was actually from New York when I was in New York I went around as well yeah actually I had I had a baby then but um she was like tiny and yeah. you know it was stayed in a pram so I could still go <laughs> to off shopping and I went and I found this amazing um yeah off the shoulder floral um came in at the waist new. and then foo-fooed out do you know what I um I think that in Paris they have things called kilo shops I was just looking at something on Instagram the other day mm -hmm. and someone was going to a kilo shop so it's like that whole like same concept oh. of the five dollar bag but you just pay for clothes by the kilo <gasps> so I what my dreams are made of I and I, I went through this phase during university where I thought I would have like a side business you know like money mm -hmm. for jam yeah so I 
created this eBay shop where I would sell these things that I got in a fill How bag. do I not know this about This is amazing. And I said, to, I said to Jono, my boyfriend, now husband, I was like, I'm taking us on a holiday. I'm going to sell this stuff on eBay. Yeah. And sure enough, we went to Cairns. <laughs> Did so you find any great vintage <laughs> finds in Cairns? I didn't look, but you know, like that was, I was so proud that I had gone to these filler bags and found these, you know, amazing, you know, like this amazing vintage belt. The only thing was that I had to part with them when I sold them, yeah. which was a bit sad for me, but yeah. it was, it was such a fun thing to do. And did you make any money off it? Yeah, we got flights and accommodation. Oh, so that that yeah, actually funded. And oh, then I was like, this is so hard because I had to model the clothes for eBay and post them. <laughs> Such a punish. But got there. It was worth it. So you studied at uni. Yeah. You studied teaching? I studied, yeah, drama education, drama and English. Okay. So you're always in a creative kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, explain how you've kind of gone from teaching or doing drama education to where you are now yeah I um I did teaching after school because um both my parents were teachers Mm. and I loved my teachers and I loved school at at most of the time um and I thought I really loved my drama teachers and so I went straight into um education for a year then I took a gap year that I did just straight education no drama took a gap year went to New York and I was a um, costume designer in New York at a, at a um again how a <laughs> we've been friends for like seven in my, years in my hidden secret you, you hear me talking fashion <laughs> shit so often and yet this it's is a bit different I love how it's taken me to do a podcast <laughs> and sit you here in like grown-up clothes okay so okay um, so when I was 19, I went to upstate New York to yeah. a drama camp and right. I, was, I got in there as a costume designer costume mm. in the costume department. My mate had been there the, the year before and he said, oh, it's easy, just tell them you can sew. Right. I was like, oh, how am I going to be? So um, I got there and realised it's really hard to sew. Yeah. And I had to like... Hang on, did you know how to use the sewing no, machine? No, no. So I got there. So what I did is I hot glue gunned everything. So and a lot of it, there were heaps of costumes already there. So I could get away with a lot of just pulling stuff from racks and yeah. changing them and or shoving a safety pin in or something. But then it got to a point where I was doing things into the woods and I had to make a bear costume. Yeah. And there were, you know, there were like 12 women in the costume department all sitting at sewing machines all day. And I'm sure they were just thinking, what is that little chick doing never at a sewing machine? Yeah. Here I am hot glue gunning hot glue gunning fur to leather gloves were you bedazzling stuff as all well? the time I like i just bedazzled like the shite did, out of everything yeah. and these kids would come in to get their costumes they're like teenagers and they'd be like this is interesting and i was like yeah we're going on a different angle for this um so anyway i hot glue gunned fur to um leather gloves and mary ellen who was the um the head of the costume department of course was just this witch of a woman and yeah. everyone in the camp just was so scared of her and I just heard her voice through the costume department. It was a big warehouse. Who hot glued fur to my leather gloves? And everyone just turned to me like, that was you, little yeah. Australian chick. That was you. <laughs> so I had to go and explain to her that I actually couldn't sew and, you know, I was a few yeah. tears. So then she sat me down and I wasn't allowed to leave until I could sew 
a costume. Right. And did she teach you? Yeah, she taught me. Yeah. Uh, ver- the very basics. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, I, that was probably a really great lesson. So d- did that lead you into some kind of production or like the... Oh, yeah, okay. Well, back yeah, to the question, back Rachel. To <laughs> back to the question. So uh, sorry, I she's <laughs> just an executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back Let's to my notes. Where are my production notes? Okay, so I went there, came back, then I did a drama degree, drama and education. So then yeah. I became a secondary drama teacher. Okay. Uh, and then I taught at a large high school in Queensland for um, about 18 months. Okay. Until I came to this realisation that... Um, I was back at school and, um, and while I loved teaching, I just knew that there was something else that I was interested in, which was yeah. always production. Yeah. Um, I worked for the Starlight Children's Foundation through university and um, part of that is in the hospitals they have a TV station that goes out to all the wards Yeah. and I tasked myself with um, creating all the content for that in Queensland oh, cool. in the big, off, um, the big hospital in Brisbane. Yeah. And I just loved the idea of storytelling, coming up with a story um, and then showing it to an audience that really appreciated it. And especially in that situation, I used a lot of the kids in the hospital in the content and seeing how that content can really uh, inspire them and their families and how it brought smiles to their faces. And um, it was just a really incredible experience. And I think when I was teaching, although it was really fulfilling and, and I could see that I was making an impact... Um, my audience was quite small, you know. It yeah. was, you know, 30 kids in a, in a classroom and sometimes they weren't even listening, let's face facts. Yeah. Um, so I, I decided that I would apply to get into NIDA in a production course there and if I got into that in Sydney, then I would move and change my life. <laughs> um, so I got in and then the rest is history. I worked like a dog in any kind of production that I could and I was the oldest work experience person on every every production they'd let me in on. Yeah. Um, sewed buttons on celebrity shirts and catered shoots and counted capsicums and tomatoes on Ready, Steady, Cook and um, everything led to work. I don't think and I, then, again, I don't think I knew it was, you were Ready, Steady, Counting Cook. tomatoes I and capsicums on Ready, Steady, Cook. I would respect you so much more oh, if I'd known that detail. It's the hardest job in the world, <laughs> so much pressure. Yeah. The audience is just staring at you yeah. and like, I'm keep trying to count them, 17, 6, 8, 12... And then if you get it wrong, oh my goodness, in so yeah. much trouble. So, yeah. um, but it was a it was a great job, and um, all of the jobs that I had, you know, as work experience, led to work, and then led to more experience, and um, and then I became a producer on on a number of different shows, and then a senior producer in advertising and TV, and now I'm back at Network Ten. And describe your role now. So um, I'm head of brand entertainment production at Ten. Yeah. Um, so I look after long form so tv shows that are brought to you by brand yeah um and that's you know um a, a culmination of my experience in advertising and tv mm. so i've spent a lot of time producing commercials and long form branded content as well yeah um and i love that challenge i love the challenge of creating something that's entertaining but also has a really clear brand message throughout and yeah. and that's a really fine line in in production yeah um you know holding true to the the content and the story, um, but also bringing the tone of a brand in. Yeah. And I love like it. That's a little bit like what we've done just in the styling session Exactly. Today. Look at me in my... Um, <laughs> Mark Jacobs. Make Mark Jacobs shoes. <laughs> I knew that. Um, having worked with you uh, in a producing slash stylist capacity, yes. I know that on set you are 
the person holding it all together. And I know that you are also that person in your personal life. Like you are the one that's making everyone feel really good about everything. Stop it. (laughs) But also making sure that every bit that needs to get done gets done. So would you say that having that teaching background kind of came into it? Definitely. I think a lot of what I learned as a teacher, um, you know, translated to production and and particularly being a producer because it's a lot of planning, it's a lot of detail um, and it's a lot about all of it. It's about communication and bringing the right people together. And I think, um, you know, as an educator, I did that a lot, you know, bringing in experts in the field to talk to my classes and that made them different and interesting and I think as a producer, that's exactly what I'm doing all the time matching yeah. up the right director with the right talent, you know, um, the right brand with the, the right production team. And that's really important. And if you don't get that right, you don't get a great result. Yeah. And um, I would also ask, do you think that given back to where you sat in your family, mm. like you're a twin in the middle of the family, Yeah. do you feel that, that there's some ties to... You're really bringing all this together, <laughs> aren't you? You're so good at this. Um, I would say... Yes, I mean, uh, my my siblings will tell you, and so will my parents, that um, I'm kind of like, I make sure everyone's, you know, I start the WhatsApp groups, for example, and um, make sure everyone's coming. If if there's a present, I make sure everyone's, you know, putting in and what we're getting. And I think um, the organiser is probably a good... depiction of me in the family. Well, I would describe you as a cheerleader. Cheerleader, like, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, class yeah. captain. Yes. Cheerleader, yeah. Cheerleader. Was, was captain. <laughs> you were school shit. captain. I love it. Vice captain. Yeah. I just pipped at the Whatever. post. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I love that. I love that element of it. So I, I like it for me, all of that's very clear knowing you so well, mm. like, and you being one of my very close friends. Um, but what I want to know is in terms of like your, your, kind of uh, I like uh, attraction mm. to like bright shiny things yeah given that you're in a role where you know there's a lot of planning as you said and then you've got a client that you have to integrate how does your creativity come through in your work how do you think it does um I have in in different roles I've had different amounts of creative input Mm. and um, I I would say I'm a a creative person and I love being able to look at something and and problem solve I'd say I'd say more I'm a creative problem solver to be honest because that's really my role I sometimes I I work with creatives on jobs and I love you know soaking up all their creative genius and a lot of the time it's getting a big idea from them and trying to bring that to life as best we can with all the restrictions I know about, like the budget and the brand messages and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think, yeah, I think my role as a producer in in what I do is that creative problem solving and I love that I thrive on it, you know, being given a big idea and saying how do we bring this to life with these restrictions as well. Yeah. So do you think that – because one of the – ideas around this Mm. podcast it was to hear people's creative people's stories and Mm. people with a strong sense of style Mm. like yourself but one of the other things I'm really interested in trying to work out is is there a connection to people's personal style Mm. and the way that they do their creative work without necessarily being a fashion person yeah yeah um and I guess from what I'm listening to 
you you have a big sense of style. Mm. It's out there. But I guess in some ways, and having known you, it allows you the ability to dream big. Like you're, you know, and from what you're saying, that's yeah. kind of what you have to do. You have to believe that you can create something out of nothing mm. um, and and believe that you can make it happen. Would is that is that a stretch or do you think that there's a correlation right. there between like wanting to be out there in the world, wanting to represent represent yourself in a big way, but also believing mm. that that you can make something big happen? It's funny, like yes, I, I do have to have that um, and I do have that belief that big and amazing things can happen. Mm. And I think um, one thing that I pride myself on is finding like the joy and and the happy and that connection, like I talked about before, yeah. in every scenario, being be that creative or my family or something like that. Yeah. And I think um, the way that I dress and, you know, you say you've got a big style and that kind of thing. To me, it's just my style. That's yeah. just how I dress. But I really, I think that's what I do as well. I, I try and find the joy in what I put on in the morning. And I yeah. think um, I love nothing more than like a clashing print or, as you know, or like <laughs> a, a, big, um, a, a big bow tie with a, with a serious suit. You know, I think um, I, I'm not conscious of it at the time that it's too like styly or anything like that. It just yeah. makes me really happy. And I think... If um, I can walk into a meeting or a corporate situation and someone, even if they're like laughing at me, I don't really care. Yeah. But, you know, like if they, if it brings a smile to their face or, you know, it makes them happy to see me in my, you know, my bright outfit, then that's great. Yeah. It makes me happy. Yeah. You know, if I was dressing, you know, in corporate outfits and all black all the time, um, I, I, I wouldn't be me. That. You know no. what I mean? No, and, no, no. and sometimes... Just because I have two kids and I have to get out of the house in the morning, I'll put a black dress on with black heels and tights because I don't have to iron it. Yeah. And I get to work and I was like, what's wrong? I'm like, yeah. what? They're like, well, you're in, in all black dress. You're so clearly weird. depressed today. <laughs> I'm like, I just didn't have to iron it. You know, like, so I think like, I like that. I like that, you know, people can think of me as someone who's a bit colourful and, you know. And extra. how do you tend to dress for work? Is it like, obviously you've said you know, that you like to bring colour and yeah. an element of fun into it. But do you find, do you find that as a mum you dress differently for work yeah. than you would at home or? Um, I don't have a, like, one thing I don't have is a lot of time to, yeah. to consider what I'm putting on in the morning or, you know, a lot of time to get dressed, to be honest. So, yeah. um there, there is thought that goes into putting an outfit together, but I get to a point, I think, for work where I have a staple of clothes that I know I can just grab and they, like, work to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> Until I send you a selfie and you write back, what happened today? Yeah. Or we well, meet for lunch. Did you really go out? <laughs> did you really walk out of the house like that? Or even sometimes you'll offer me the opportunity of a question mark. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rarely. Yes. Yeah, but I'm I, already and, out the door. Yeah, and I've already said no, but I know it's too late. <laughs> oh, what about when we met for lunch and you said you look like a highlighter pen today and I was like I'll take that as a compliment <laughs> Sounds like I was wearing some say. bright neon Neon-ky. orange dress with a giant blue blazer it was yeah it was just that I think you double neoned it I which, did but how great is that yeah it made you smile <laughs> I know it did but you make me smile <laughs> one of the questions I want to ask you is how do your children respond to your style does it give them the sense of joy that it gives you 
Uh, <laughs> great question. Um, so I know that um, Ginger, my daughter, um, knows that I don't dress the same as the other mums at school pickup. Um, she has said once um, exactly that. You don't wear the same as the other mums. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Because you're not in active wear. Well, I love active wear, but usually I'm, you know, coming from work or going to work or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not in active wear and I'm not in, you know, um, I don't know, but each for their own, you know, but yeah. I, do, I do look different. Obviously, she's noticed that. Yeah. Um, she also said to me, I was going to a reading group at her school one day and she said to me, um, can you wear your hair like flat? Just flat. Yeah. And I was like what do you mean why she goes well I just don't understand sometimes you wear this big giant bun and to me that's messy and then you're wearing like fancy work clothes yeah and I'm like well she's got quite a point like you know when I do a big giant blonde bun um it's not messy to me but um she obviously doesn't think that quite translates yeah but I do love that she has a really independent style too you know she puts on Things that even I think is a little bit out there sometimes. And I love that. Yeah. You know, and I love that she knows that being unique is great. You know, yeah. I found a story she wrote in class the other day and unique was spelt U-N-E-E-K. But it was that the, um, the sentiment of it was you are beautiful just the way you are and being unique is great because being boring um, won't make you happy. And I yeah. thought if I can teach her anything, like that's really oh, but great. But if, if anyone's going to teach kids that it's you and Jono. Oh, well, that's lovely. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I just love that she knows that her style is perfect. You know, yeah. just the way it is. So right now, mm-hmm. you're executive producer, mum, and your sense of style has kind of like stayed fairly consistent through those changes. I would say. Yeah. Would you say that's kind of over the last ten years of your life? You, you've like you have a very distinct 80s um mm. kind of twang to Vibe. your to, to your choices yeah. I feel like that was probably always <laughs> present yeah I and think so yeah I I don't know why I have this um calling to the 80s mm-hmm. but I think it's mainly I mean I love the strength in it if that makes sense yeah I love the shoulder pads and I love the the strong tailoring and I think when I wear something like that, if it's got a nod to the 80s or if it's got that kind of style about it, I feel really strong and I feel confident walking into a room or yeah. um, and it makes me feel like me, you yeah. know, as opposed to sometimes I try and, you know, buy something off the rack to wear to a wedding or, you know, something like that um, and I just feel a bit weird the whole time yeah and I always go back to and you know this because I have all these plans I send you photos Mm -hmm. I've got this wedding coming up should I wear this and you know and I always go back to wearing one of my staple amazing well I think they're amazing Oprah dress vintage dresses (laughs) Oprah dress that um that I've worn for a decade or more yeah but I just feel like me in them and I feel like they're a bit different and I feel like um confident in them yeah so moving forward, like, should we talk about the Oprah dress? Let's talk about it. Okay, so um, give me the get, like. Okay, we call it the Oprah dress. This dress I've got. It's this fabulous like blazer, black blazer dress with this amazing giant black and white collar. And I can tolerate it because let's it's face it, you love it. A blazer <laughs> dress, and and it's. You know, a classic shape. Classic Apart from shape. the one oversized lapel. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, when I bought it, yeah. um, 
uh, vintage online probably 12 years ago. Where did you get it? Like, do you remember what, what size? It would have been eBay, I'd say. Yeah, right. Um, and the photo, it was like a photo of the dress, you know, hanging on the hanger standard. And then it was a photo of Oprah in the dress. <laughs> like, not the exact dress that I wear. Like, Oprah hasn't touched my dress. But yeah. she had the same dress. I'm like, how can I not buy that? You get a dress. <laughs> yeah, I get, get a dress. <laughs> so it was long at the time and I got it taken up because I'm quite oh, short and I'm not that. mad for a long dress. So uh, I Was it, it kind of, I imagine it would, would have been, because sh- it's, would it have gone straight? straight? Straight down. Yeah, and to, just to the ankle. To just to the, the ankle, ankle, which yeah. you would probably love it more like that. Yeah, I you? think I would. Well, that's how yeah. it was intended. Yeah. But um, I got it above the knee, got it cut yeah. above the but knee. But that suits you and so it looks cute on you. So it. I can accept that. Yeah. I do that with a lot of the vintage dresses I buy. I get them, I tailor them a little bit. Yeah. Suit me perfectly, fit me like a glove. <laughs> um, moving forward, what mm. do you see, like... Where do you see things going for you in terms of work, like fashion, and <laughs> family? Um, you know, the biggest thing for me is I just want to be a really good mum. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of pressure like on all of us now to work and be awesome at our jobs and be awesome wife and be an awesome or partner or be an awesome mum. But I think to me, I will never let my work change the kind of mum I am and I think that's my biggest priority and yeah I want to make great tv shows and I work Mm. for a network that does that and I'm really lucky that I get to work with incredible people um and and through my career as a you know in a creative area I've met some incredible people yeah um and I get to work with my mates you know like you (laughs) um and and that's you know so special to me that I wake up every day and I love what I do yeah but more than that I just love being a mum and and I know I'm a good mum but I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive no they're not I know you know you are a strong female role model you're a strong personality in your household and Mm. I know I mean you have a son and a daughter, but mm. I know Ginger looks at you and sees like a strong, very energetic, happy woman oh, um, making a future for her family. Oh, and I think oh, I'm going to get to. Yeah, I'm going to cry on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, you know, like that. I think that yeah. working and, and loving what you do should be something that our girls see and mm. um, aspire to, you know, because well, ultimately we want our children to be happy, mm. um, but happiness comes with really being fulfilled with your whole sense of self and that shifts when you become a parent. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think... I, that I definitely know that they're not mutually exclusive mm. in your household, but nor should they be yeah I know and I think um I I I love all those things about you know like I said before about Ginger you know loving her own style I also know that she knows that I work hard for our family and I also know that she knows though (laughs) thank you yeah I do but I but she also knows that I love what I do and I think she also knows that I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it yeah you know and I think um despite the pressures of you know, having a job and 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 raising a family, like it, the the essence of what I do, I've always really loved. And yeah. if I didn't, I changed it. Yeah. You know, and I think you know that's the same with teaching and 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 changing careers and 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 at certain points throughout my career, I've had moments where I've gone, 
you know, I can appreciate I've learned a lot here, but mm. this isn't right for me. So yeah. I make a move. Yeah. Um, because in the end, we spent a lot of time working and with the people we work with. And if we're not happy where we are and what we're doing, then, you know, life's pretty short. Life's too short. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. So. Yes, Mads. Going forward 20, 30 years, are you going to be the crazy old lady <laughs> with a turban <laughs> and an oversized bow? <laughs> you know what happened to me just today? This morning I got sent a photo from a girlfriend of mine and that she'd taken a photo of a woman on a train. Yeah. And she had this elaborate outfit on and she yeah. must have been like 85 and yeah. she's reading her Kindle. And um, she said, you in 40 years? Yeah. And I was like, ha lol. Yes, I love that woman. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, a mate of mine, a producer, sent me a photo of this woman with white hair with this giant quiff standing at the yeah. train station. Yeah. She must be about 65. You in 30 years? <laughs> and I was like, what's going on here? And I was like, yes, I'll be both those women. I love them both. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'll just be me. I'll just be, you know, a bit, um, but yeah, I'll probably be wearing the same stuff if they fit you know like the same yeah, dresses yeah. but i i do i'd like to see you in like a a giant mumu oh. with a big oversized bow grandmothering i, love, oh, I would yeah. love that oh yeah like also carla zampatti all the way like yeah. if i could just wear carla zampatti every day in my retirement that's just me just me done. red velvet <laughs> yeah red velvet just with like a bit of a vintage flair somewhere yeah nice. but those strong lines seriously amazing all right Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your style. Thank you for styling me. Love you. In a recent interview between Andrew Denton and his work colleague and dear friend Amanda Keller, he described her as Australia's least cool, cool person. And I can't help but want to plagiarise his words. When it comes to summing up Rach, it's hard for me not to be verbose, so what I'll say is this. She's a listener, a doer, a cheerleader who genuinely gives a shit. Despite me wanting to wrestle with her larger-than-life, somewhat comedic fashion choices, I've always wanted to sit with her. And whilst her big style comes from a childhood place of wanting to be seen and heard, it's her big ideas and generosity of spirit that define her and make her the least cool, cool person I know.